Welcome to Experiencing Christ with Pastor Dennis Matovu. Freedom Experience is a teaching ministry of the Word that is driven by the purpose that believers may subjectively realize the full knowledge of the truth according to 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 4. Experiencing God in the incarnated Word, which is Christ to be life and light to man with grace and reality for man's enjoyment. And now, open wide your spirit to receive this great teaching which is going to empower you to begin experiencing Christ as your life. This is Pastor Dennis Matovu, worth hearing. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is Freedom experience, experiencing Christ. Praise the Lord wherever you are. We want to thank the Lord for your life. We want to thank the Lord for another opportunity that he has given us to come and minister unto you even today. This is Pastor Dennis Matovu, Kampala, Uganda, Freedom Experience Ministry. We want to say that we love you so much. We believe in you. We know that the Lord is doing a tremendous work in your life. And we know that whenever I come to minister and share uh, with you this wonderful word of experiencing Christ daily, you never remain the same. And we know that there is a growth in you and there is a work that is taking place in your life. Once again, I want to remind you to visit always our website, uh, freedomexperienceministry.org for more and more teachings, including devotions and other audio and uh, uh, video teachings. Even when you have missed up some teachings and uh, you need to go back uh, or to download or to listen, visit our website and also like our Facebook page and other social media. The Lord is going to bless you. The Lord is so wonderful, He's so gracious, He's so wonderful. Thank you once again, and let us right away go in the word of life. Remember, we are in this long series of experiencing Christ daily, and we are examining the scriptures to see that we can come to Christ in His scriptures and take them as our life, light, grace, and reality, so that we enjoy the scriptures, that we come to Christ and enjoy Him. Yes, uh, we have been uh, discussing and uh, studying from the book of uh, Colossians because of all the books in the Bible, it is the book of Colossians that has got the deeper, deeper secrets concerning Christ. In other words, it has got the all-inclusiveness of, uh, of Christ and uh, most of the, the, the depth and the uh, expressions of Christ are found in the book of Colossians. So that's why we began with this with this, with this um, book. Remember, the Bible says in Colossians, uh, our our key verse that uh, we use for this wonderful program is in Colossians chapter one, verse twenty six. Uh, verse twenty six onwards, it says that uh, it says that even the mystery which has been laid from ages and from generations but now is made manifest to his saints and to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles which is Christ in you the hope of glory whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom and that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus whereunto I also labor striving according to his working which works in me mightily so with those verses we began off uh, these teachings to to get a revelation of this mist which is christ we want to get a revelation of christ and uh, we began with this very book of colossians to see how much we can get from it by the grace of god amen so um let us continue from where we have been we are in Colossians chapter 1. Let me read for you verses 12 to 14. 
um, where we are at the moment. The Bible says that uh, giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet to be partakers of the, his inheritance of the saints in light whom has delivered us who has delivered us from the powers of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through the blood even the forgiveness of sins who is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of every creature I think today we want to continue from there the other time uh, we, we were talk about more of the darkness and how we are supposed to get out of that darkness. Today I want to see another important, uh, wonderful message which is the preeminence and the all-inclusiveness of Christ. The preeminence and the all-inclusiveness of Christ. And with this uh, as the background, we need to see that Christ is the preeminent and all-inclusive one. The centrality and universality of God. When we come to this book of Colossians, it reveals that Christ is the creation, is uh, the creation, uh, and also as as a creation, uh, Christ occupies the first place. So when we come to Colossians one fifteen, where we have just just read, it says that who is the image of the invisible God, and the firstborn of every creature. Now we see that according to this verse. We see that Christ is both the first creation. is the first creation, um, and in the new creation, Christ occupies the first place. So he is always he has the preeminence in the old creation, and he has the preeminence in the new creation. So we see that he occupies the first place, uh, uh, the first place in all creation, and we see that we, are, we, we that Christ is the firstborn. What, what does it mean to be the firstborn? We have seen also in verse 18. Let us read verse 18. The Bible says that, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and in all things he might have the preeminence. So, we see that in this verse, they are showing us that he is the firstborn from among the dead. Yet in verse 15, is the firstborn of all creation. Now, the new creation of God is by resurrection. It's by resurrection. Uh, for Christ uh, to be preeminent in the new creation means that he is the first to resurrect. He is the first in resurrection. He is the first both in creation and also in resurrection. He is the beginning. He is the alpha. So this means that he is the first in the old creation, the universe, and also the new creation, which is the church. Did you know that the new creation is the church? When the Bible talks about the new creation, the new man, it's talking about the church. The universe is the environment in which the church exists as the body of Christ to express Christ in full. In other words, the church lives exists in the universe. Across all the nations and countries, there are churches. And when they are joined, they make one universal church and this church is where um, is the body of christ to express christ in full hallelujah so christ is not only first in um, in, in in the church yeah, as the body but also is the first in the environment is the first in the universe and this means that he is first in everything come to verses verses uh, 19 119 the bible says that for it pleased the Father that in Christ Jesus should all fullness dwell. You see? Now here we come to see that it pleased even the Father to have all fullness dwell in Christ. And the question here we have to ask ourselves is that what is the fullness that they are speaking, speaking about here in this verse? And our answer is always going to be the fullness of the Godhead. Yes, you might be correct and it appears to be correct, but here Paul does not uh, add on the word the fullness of of, God, of the Godhead. It's not added. It's not included, and it's not uh, the, the word fullness here is not modified. It is with the word uh, of the Godhead. No, all with the word of God. He simply says that all the fullness was pleased, was happy to dwell in Christ, and and there is something in this universe we know 
that it's known as the fullness. And this fullness is, is pleased to dwell in the preeminent, all-inclusive Christ. Here we have many Christians, uh, they fail to distinguish between the fullness and the riches. Sometimes when people say the fullness, they think that they are talking about the riches which are in Christ. And when we say the fullness, they think of the fullness of the Spirit, they mean that these are the riches of the Spirit. But when we come to this verse in verse 19, we see that fullness does not denote the riches of what God is, but it denotes the expression of those riches, the expression of what God is. So all the expression of the, the rich being of God, God and his wealth and his richness, both in creation and in the church today, dwells in Christ. So it pleased uh, the Father that all fullness is now dwelling in Christ, both of the creation and also uh, of the church, both the, of the old creation and also of the new creation. So all creation and all the church are filled with Christ. As such an expression of God's riches, we see that he is the fullness, all the fullness dwells in him. And such fullness is pleased with this. In other words, whatever is fulfilled in Christ, whatever is in Christ, it is happy. It, it is pleased to see that it is in Christ. And this is pleasant also to Jesus Christ. So, fullness here means expression. If something has no fullness, it cannot be expressed. In other words, Jesus could not express God if, if he didn't have the fullness of God the Father. He wouldn't express love if he didn't have the fullness of love. So all fullness of everything, every creation was in Christ Jesus. So uh, we see that if, if a person, if, if something is full, has got a fullness, it can be expressed. And for example, we see that if we have very little love, then that means that your love cannot be expressed because it's not full. It cannot come out to be seen. But when the Bible says that it, it, all the fullness dwells in Christ, meaning that whatsoever that Christ is manifesting and expressing is that which is feeding inside of him. You see? So if I have a love which is full, then the fullness of my love will be my expression. In the same principle, this is what it means. The fullness is the expression of all that God is. So he is also the all-inclusive one. Christ has got everything in him. Christ is the reality of all the positive things in the universe. Everything that is good and positive, it is typified with Christ. And if we know the Bible and God's plan and God's economy, I tell you we shall realize that what that Christ is the heavens. Christ is the earth. Christ is the sun. Christ is the life. Christ is the light. Christ is the star. Christ is the trees. Christ is the flowers, Christ is the water, Christ is the air, Christ is the food. We see every material things are pictures that are pointing unto Christ. In other words, they are only shadows, Christ is the reality. You'll find several verses in the Bible talking about him being the tree of life, him being the, the vine tree, him being the light of the world. He is the life, is the sun that shines every morning. So you see, uh, there are several scriptures. It's the air for us to breathe. It's the food for us to eat. There are several scriptures that, call, that, that prove that uh, Christ is the reality of all positive things. So we see that the material things are pictures of what Christ is to us. To us is the heavens. To us is the earth. To, earth, to, to us is the sun. To us is the life. To us, he is the light. To us, he is the star. To us, is the tree. To us, is the flower. To us, Christ is the water. To us, Christ is the air. To us, Christ is the food. That means that everything that I will begin to encounter that appears to be positive, it is typifying Christ. It is a shadow of the reality who is Christ. And we see that Christ is all the divine attributes also, such as power such as holiness, righteousness, kindness, and love. Christ is all these things. He is also the human virtues. Every virtue that is good in you, Christ is everything. Christ is in all and all things, such as humility, patience. This is also Christ. So you see that 
He is the church still. He is every member of the church. That is why where people don't want to hear. God is building and every stone whatever that is using to build his building, it is Christ. Christ is every stone in the building of God is building. You see, God is building something. He's building for himself a tabernacle. He's building for himself a temple. And cannot use anything which is minus Christ. Christ, that's why he has come into us so that he mingles with us. So that if we are lively stones that are going to be used to build up the building of the Lord, I tell you, he must be the ingredients. He must be the component. I'll give you some verses here in First Peter for you to see that even the building which is being built um, we are the lively stones that the Bible says in in First um, Peter, First Peter, in chapter uh, chapter two, chapter two, verses. Uh, let me read for you verses four. It says that to whom coming as unto a living stone, Christ is the living stone, disallowed in and indeed of men, but chosen of God. And precious, you also as lively stones are built up as a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices in this house acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So even the, the temple which is being built whereby you and me are the bricks, are, are the stones that are used. You say I don't want to use bricks because God doesn't use bricks when he's created his building. God uses stones and precious materials things that he has made for him by himself you see bricks are made by man they are man-made that's why god had to destroy the the, the the tower of babel most people don't know why god had to destroy the tower of babel it destroys the tower of babel because they used bricks instead of stones and the moment there is a building which is not uh, having the material of god god is going to come and disorganize everything so when even is building, he uses stones. That's why he turns Peter and calls him, you shall be called a stone. But before he was a stone, he was a reed, which is, which is wavering a lot of the time. So he calls him, I'm calling you a stone. You see? So we are stones. And if he's, going, he's building, God is building. That means that every stone in the building of God is Christ. That means that you and me, we are Christ. We have the components of Christ from the day we accepted Jesus Christ. He lives in us and he, we have, we are, he's uh, mingled with our spirit. So, but according to, to, to the book of Revelation and the revelation of the Bible, we see that uh, we must testify that Christ, the all-inclusive one, is the reality of all positive things. We, we When we say that um, when we say that Christ is you and Christ is me, we don't mean that we are like God and we, rather we are God, all that we shall ever become God. No, we only say that Christ is the real food. And uh, when we say that is the real food, like in John 6, 5, 5, we do not mean that is the physical real food that you are eating. But these are types. For example, you come to John chapter 6. I will show you something still. In John 6, Jesus himself calls himself the, and says that the, food, the, the blood that you, you, are, you, you shall drink is real drink and the meat, the meat uh, is, is, is real meat. John chapter 6 verses uh, 55, I will show you this wonderful uh, verse. It says, it says in verses 55, in John chapter 6, it says that, he that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me and I, and that was 56, 55 says that, For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. Now it makes the, the flesh to become a drink, and it makes the, the, the blood to become, uh, rather it makes the, the flesh to become what to eat, and it says it is the only real uh, eat eating and uh, this uh, on drinking meaning that all other drinks that are positive all the other, other food that is positive it is uh, it is the christ as a shadow and the reality is in christ so we don't mean that when we say that christ is the real food that is this physical physical one you are eating but this physical one which is good it is a shadow of the reality the reality is in christ you see so all the inclusive christ is the center and the circumference of God's purpose. 
God has a purpose and he has purpose that this purpose is found in Christ and Christ being the center and the circumference of his purpose he wants us to come into Christ so that we come to know the will of God that he has purposed in himself from eternity past and Christ is both the centrality and the universality of God's purpose you cannot find the purpose of God minus Christ that's why when we preach the, the, the we, we preach Christ we, we come to the purpose of God so he is the hub and also the rim if you know about the bicycle and the, the tire of the bicycle it has got a hub it has got a rim it has got the sprockets we are the sprockets that are, are attached in the hub and the rim you see so and this is what God is showing us in other words Christ is all in his economy Christ is everything amen so we see that Christ uh, is everything uh, so far in the verses we have read today and we want to see him now in the gospels what Christ is in the gospels because when we saw that every scripture and every book is talking about Christ we have got to show you some some of the things so that you know that uh, in the gospel he was the, he was incarnated to put on the old creation that's why we see him in Matthew Mark Luke and John he was now a, a, an incarnated Christ who had put on the old creation when we see uh, let us first take a little survey and look at Christ in the gospels uh, briefly and also in acts and also in the episodes and also in revelation then we shall come back in colossian because we want to see does it is it true that every scripture can point and and mean Christ the gospel we see that Christ uh, was the incarnated in the gospel he was the incarnated one who was who put on the old creation that is when you come to John chapter 14 it says that the word became flesh and here flesh denotes man of the old creation not just body not just a physical appearance no when we talk about the word becoming flesh it first of all denotes man of the old creation you see god did not create the flesh in the beginning no he created a body for man but through the fall in genesis chapter 3 sin entered into man's body and it caused the body to become flesh so for the word to become flesh in john chapter 14 it refers that man as part of the old creation is flesh now we see that man the head of creation man because man is the head of creation had become flesh so it required jesus to become also flesh so that he can redeem man out of his fall and by incarnation christ became a man and thereby he put on uh, the the old creation the only difference is that in his in his body there was no sin Just like you see in John chapter 3 verses uh, onwards the Bible says from verses uh, uh, 14 onwards it says that as Moses put the bronze snake in the desert and whoever was looking at the snake was like he was healed of any poison that was in uh, in him after the snakes had bitten them now you see the bronze snake in the desert is a snake in appearance but it does not carry the poison of the snake for it it is a bronze snake in the form of the snake yet it doesn't have the poison of the snake just as the bronze snake was in the form of a snake yet it carried no poison likewise jesus was a man in the flesh which possessed the the, the flesh which carries no sin you see he carries no sin it is it is just like it was with the bronze snake in the desert the appearance and the the the, the appearance of the, and the form was of a snake yet this snake carried no poison just like jesus was in the form of man fallen nature uh, fallen body but he did not carry any sin because his the dna of jesus is not of adam he only carries the body from mary but he doesn't carry the dna which is containing sin he has the dna of god so he, he becomes now um the, the the man the old ma- creation so that he can deal with the old creation shout hallelujah so passing through human living he expresses god when he was incarnated he had to do several things like to express god show that so that he shows us who god is so that he shows us what god is all about 
and what is the purpose of God. We see that throughout his human living, Christ expressed God. Come to John 1.18. The Bible says, John 1.18. It says that no man has seen the, the God and at any time the only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Now that as soon as why he comes to flesh in the book in the gospels, we have seen that he also has come to express God to us. So we see that no one has ever seen God, but the Son has declared him. He has expressed expressed him. He has shown us the, the, the Father. And during the 33 years and a half that he was here on earth and um, in his life on earth, Christ was declaring God on a daily basis and he expressed God in everything that he did. This is what uh, he came to do. Another thing we see that in the Gospels, Christ is crucified to terminate the old creation. He had come to terminate the old creation. We see him that he, everything that he was talking about and what he came to do, he was um, he has he had come to fulfill the Father's will. When Christ was crucified, he terminated the old creation. And if the Jews asked were asked that what happened to Jesus when he was crucified, they would only say that the man named Jesus was of Nazareth died on the cross. When you come to a new convert, a new Christian, he may say that it was his Savior who was crucified. For him, he will modify. But when you come to a more advanced Christian, he may reply and say that um, Christ was not only crucified as my Savior, but uh, Christ was also crucified. I, but I was also crucified with Christ. Now, you see the modification, deeper revelation. The, 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 the Jew we reply, Christ, the man named Jesus of Nazareth, died on the cross. Come to the new convert, he'll tell you, um, my Christ, the Savior, was crucified. Come to a more advanced Christian, he may reply that not only was Christ crucified as his Savior, but that he himself also was crucified with Christ. And even more, when you come to a, a more advanced Christian, he will say and answer that Christ the self, Satan, and the world were all dealt with on the cross. So this is the advanced, more advanced uh, Christian. However, not, not only that is enough, um, it's not even sufficient. On the cross, Christ was crucified. He also crucified sin, Satan, the world, the old man, and the entire creation was uh, crucified with him. Moreover, even the commandments, the laws of commandments in the ordinances were also crucified there. That makes him to have the all-inclusive death. The death that included every negative thing. The death that included all the old creation. And the death of Christ terminated the entire old creation. So he had to become flesh in order to deal with all negative things. You see? So, another thing we see in the Gospels, we see that he resurrected to produce the church. He resurrected to produce the church which is the new creation. If he had not resurrected, there was no, there wouldn't have been a church. The church now exists because Jesus resurrected and he produced the church which is the new creation. When they talk about the new creation, they are talking about the church. Meaning that the church is the new creation. The church is the new creation. Hallelujah. So, the church is that creation that we, we, we are talking about in the Bible. People are asking questions. What is the new creation? The new creation is the church. The new creation is that church where you are fellowshipping, is the body of Christ universe, universally. Hallelujah. So, uh, according to the gospel, Christ was resurrected to produce the church, which is the new creation. He was the one grain in John 12, the one grain of wheat that fell into the ground and produced many grains in resurrection to form the church. Remember, let us read John chapter 12. Jesus quotes and said uh, about himself, he calls himself the, the grain that had to die, the grain of wheat that had to die. The Bible says in John 12 verses 24, it says that 
Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat, a grain of wheat, fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. He that loves his life shall lose it, and he that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. Now you see that he is mentioned here as the one grain of wheat that fell into the ground and produced many, many grains in resurrection to form the church. That means that we, the born again, we are the many grains, we are the many, many grains that uh, we, are, uh, we are produced after resurrection. That's how the church is produced. The church is produced after the death of Christ. So, when we come to the book of Acts, we want to see in the entire book, in summary, who is Christ and what is Christ in Acts. In Acts, we see that Christ has been exalted to be the head over all things to the church. He was the head to the church and over the church. Acts also reveals that Christ, after his exaltation, Christ descended as the Spirit to carry out God's intention. When we say that Christ descended in the book of Acts as the Spirit, people get confused. They want the Holy Spirit to be separated from Christ and Christ to be there alone and the Holy Spirit to be this side alone. I want to tell you, I want to open your eyes. The one who went up by ascension, he said, I am coming back. And the word I am coming back was not meaning the coming back of the end times of the rapture. No, he had to come back. Let us see. In the book of John, we see that he tells them, we shall come with my father, we shall live with you. He says also in the book of John that I am sending you another comforter who is like me. He's going to be the spirit of truth. Then he talks also and says that, and I will also come. I've not told you that I will leave you alone. I will come. He has, told, he has said in John, let me quote you the verses for you, for your clear awareness. John 14. John 14. Verses. John 14 verses um, uh, 14, verses 14, John 14, 14, we start from there. The Bible says that if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. He says, Jesus, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray, 16, and I will pray the Father, he shall give you another comforter that he might abide with you forever. Now, thou, that one, we talk about the Holy Spirit. Then it comes to verse 17. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seems it sees him not, neither knows him, but ye know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Look at that statement. Then it comes in verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Look at that. He promises to send the comforter. And again he says that I'm also coming to you. That means that when Christ went up by ascension, he came back on, on, on the day of Pentecost as the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit came, Jesus also came. You see, we can separate the Trinity for our understanding that God is a triune God. But God, the triune God, does not want to see himself separated. He loves to work in, 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 in harmony and in, in unity. So, some of us we feel bad when we say that Christ is the Spirit. Yet the scriptures are open. For example, 1 Corinthians 15.45, it says that the last Adam, Jesus, became the life-giving Spirit. How can you interpret that Jesus is not the Spirit? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.17, the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is liberty. Yet we know very well that the Lord, they are talking about Jesus Christ, being the Lord Spirit, meaning that when he resurrected, he was able to be trans transfigured. He became uh, the, the spirit. So in the book of Acts, we see Jesus coming back in full force as the Holy Spirit. And when we see the Holy Spirit, we are seeing Christ. That's why the Holy Spirit does not have a name. The Holy Spirit does not have any things that belongs to him. He says, Jesus, that he shall take of the things of mine and shall show unto you. He answers unto my name. He is the Holy Spirit, the power of God, the life of God, but he is also the Christ himself. So this is a deeper, deeper revelation you need to understand. 
We have God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit, when He's come unto us, then also Christ comes. When you come back in June, I just wanted to make your mind clear on that. That's a long teaching. I'm just giving you a glimpse before we continue. When you come to the book of June, you discover that when Jesus resurrected, he, dis- he finds the, the, the disciples hidden and they are closed up. He appears unto them from nowhere. And into amidst them, they were terrified. He tells them, fear not, it is me. Then after he had encouraged them and strengthened them, the Bible says he blows upon them. He breathes upon them and tells them, receive the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Meaning that the Holy Spirit was coming now from Jesus. You cannot separate the Holy Spirit from Jesus Christ himself. So when when he breathed unto 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 them that receive the Holy Spirit, the Bible says he disappears. Nobody saw where he went. I believe that he went into them when he, he told them receive the Holy Spirit. Now he was able to enter them. The way he was able to enter into the room which is closed, he had turned to a Christ who is a pneumatic Christ, a spirit Christ. So sometimes when the Bible talks about the spirit, they are sometimes talking about Jesus, they are sometimes talking about the Holy Spirit. And it takes a person with the eyes of understanding to see such a difference. So we see that in the book of Acts, it reveals that he descends as the Spirit to carry out God's intention. Also in the book of Acts, he revealed, it reveals that Christ has been propagated to bring the church into existence. He has propagated, he has multiplied, he has been produced into many, many churches and the church is in existence today because Christ has been propagated. Let us see Christ in the episodes. In the episodes, when I talk about the episodes, I'm talking about from from Romans to the last episode, which is uh, which is uh, is it Titus, uh, the last episode. So uh, we see, I believe it is Jude. So we see that Christ is is in the episode as I'll give you some several things. Uh, Christ, what 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 typifies Christ in the episodes? We want to see Christ in the episodes. Now, in the episodes, which are the letters, uh, we see that Christ is our righteousness. Colossians 130. Um, we shall read there because we have a lot of reference from that verse. Christ is being seen as our righteousness in the episodes. Um, our righteousness, 130, Colossians. The Bible says uh, in 130, um, it says that, but of him are you in Christ, Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. You see? So they are mentioning several things that typifies Christ, what Christ has become to us. Christ is unto us as Christ our righteousness. Also, he is our life. First John chapter 5, verse 12. The Bible says he is our life. 1 John 5.12, it says that um, he that has the Son has life, and he that has not the Son of God has not life. Whereas Colossians also says, and Christ, when Christ our life shall appear, that is Colossians 3.4, Christ our life. So Christ has become our life in the episodes. Christ has also become our life supply in Philippians 1.19. Philippians 1.19 shows that Christ is our life supply, our life supply, life supply. The Bible says in Philippians 1.19, I, I like to read for you because some of you don't have Bibles where you are. Maybe you are listening when you're driving, maybe you are listening at your place of work, maybe you are listening from your phone and it's difficult for you to get some proof from the Bible, but I will help you. I'll read for you where necessary. The Bible talks about Philippians in Philippians 1.19, it says that, um, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply, the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Here they mention the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, meaning that Jesus Christ has got a spirit. The Holy Spirit is not mentioned here. They are mentioning about the Spirit of Jesus Christ giving us a life supply. So He is our everything. He is the supply of everything we need. He has given us life and this life has come with also the life supply. 
everything pertaining to life and godliness has been given unto us. He is our holiness. 1 Corinthians 1.30 He became holiness unto us. He is our redemption. 1 Corinthians 1.30 Still, and our glory in 1 Timothy 1, chapter 1, verses 1. Christ is our glory. Hallelujah. So he has become all these things. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 1, 1, it says that Paul, an apostle of, the, of Christ by the commandment of God, our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, and to the, uh, uh, it says, which is our hope and glory. Um, you, did you know that um, he's the hope of the glory? For the tomorrow is Christ in us, the hope of glory. So when you see hope, there is also glory. You understand? So all these aspects of Christ indicate that we shall experience a full transformation resulting in glorification. We are in a process. That's why he has become all these things. Said so that by the time we are transferred, I tell you, we become the all-inclusive. We become whatever Christ is to us. What about Revelation? What does the book of Revelation talk about Christ? In the book of Revelation, you can see that Christ is the testimony of the churches. Remember the seven churches in the church. He was the testimony. He says, I am this. I am the Alpha. I am the one. I am the, to the church of this. Write and say, I am this. He was the testimony. When you read the, the, the book of Revelation chapter 1, throughout chapter 3, you discover he is the testimony of the churches. And in the churches, we testify only to Christ. You don't testify to anybody else. We testify to Christ. Furthermore, we see that in the book of Revelation, we see that Christ is the king in the coming kingdom and also is going to be the center of the new Jerusalem in eternity. So this is what Christ is all about briefly in every section of the Bible. So, let us come back to the book of Colossians. Christ in the book of Colossians. We have seen that in the book of Colossians, Christ is the preeminent one, is the preeminent one, is the first of all, is everything is above, is higher than any other thing. We have read first Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 and 18. And we have seen that he is the all-inclusive one. Let us read Colossians chapter 3, verses 11. What are we discovering today? We are discovering the preeminence of Christ. What makes Christ to become the all-inclusive one. What makes Christ become all in all? We have seen several verses and now we are in Colossians 3, 11. The Bible says that uh, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond, all free, but Christ is all and in all. In other words, when Christ is there, is present, then other things disappear. Other things begin to disappear. Christ is all and in all. He is the centrality. He is the universality of God's economy. The universality of God's divine plan. And in the book of Colossians, you see that Paul is using unique expressions to describe Christ. Expressions that you cannot even find elsewhere in the scriptures are found in this book of Colossians. That's why we decided to start with you, uh, with the book of Colossians. So we see that in Colossians we have the highest revelation of Christ that is found in the Bible. Other scriptures in the Bible may mention and show us the revelation of Christ, but Colossians has the highest revelations, highest expression. In other words, it's like the mountain Zion of the Bible. It's the highest peak among the mountains of the Bible uh, that mention the Bible. So we appreciate this, what we are reading in the book of Colossians. It presents Christ as the preeminent and the all-inclusive one, his all and in all. It presents Christ as the centrality and the universality of all, the universality of God. So, this is our burden to show, that, uh, to show you that you have got to take Christ on a daily basis because he's everything, every positive thing. Hallelujah. He is every positive thing that you have come across in the name of Jesus. Christ is the all positive things. Glory, hallelujah. You see? So uh, let me show you uh, before we even uh, stop. Uh, we want to see Christ the portion of the saints. What does it mean? Christ the portion of the saints. Come back to Colossians. The Bible says that in chapter 1 verses 12, 
that we Paul was giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us to become worthy, to become uh, to become qualified. He has qualified us to be partakers of the of the inheritance. Inheritance here is an allotment or a portion of of the saints in the light. So we have a portion. There is a portion of the saints. And when we come to Genesis chapter 12 verse 2 and verse 3 and verse 7, you discover that the, 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 the inheritance they are talking about is more of a land. You see? Let me read for you Genesis 12 verse 2 um, and verses 3. You see that when God wanted to give... Um, to bring a change and to do something with Abraham, he promised him the land. He says that now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get out of thy country and thy uh, from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, and I'll make thee of thee a great nation, and I'll bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will also bless them that bless thee, and cast them that cast thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Look at that. Come to verse 7. And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said unto him, Thy seed will I give this land. So the only promise and the only good thing and gift that God was promising Abraham and the descendants was only the land. It was the land. So we see that. Uh, today, want to, this time we want to see Christ as the portion of the saint, the saints, and what it means, because He has qualified us to for a share, for a portion of land, of the saints in the light, as we shall see. The portion of the saints is the all-inclusive Christ for our enjoyment. Now, let us talk about the promised land briefly. Uh, we might not finish, but let us talk about it briefly. We shall continue tomorrow by the grace of God. We see that according to the book of Genesis, there is no promise, no promises were given that involved blessing or enjoyment before the call of Abraham. Of course, we can come to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. There is a promise that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. It is a promise. But this promise, however, does not involve the, uh, the enjoyment or the blessing and the enjoyment. Is a promise to, to redeem. But when you come also from chapters 4 through chapter 11 of Genesis, there is no record. There is no record of such a promise. God does not promise anybody between chapter 4 to chapter 11. A promise of blessing is not indicated there. It is first mentioned in Genesis 12. God promises a promise of blessing. At that time, we see that God called Abraham out of his country and his father's house. And here we see that the Lord specifically mentions the land as his portion. He promises him and specifically mentions the land as his portion in Genesis chapter 12. And we may be familiar with the story of Abraham. And we assume that we understand everything related to the story of Abraham. If you have ever heard about the story of Abraham, you see that as you read of God's calling of Abraham and of the promises made to him, you will see that everything, you might take it as a thing for granted. But let me tell you, when you read about the land, you see several incidents whereby God is promising the land. He's promising the land to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to the children of Israel. He promises them until he brought them into that land. So we have got to begin to get an impression of the, the meaning of the land. If you have to understand Christ, you have got to understand the promised land. That's why in our teachings, we like to, 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 to talk about the land. Christ being our all-inclusive land. is our land of Canaan. is our land of freedom. If we read carefully the word of God, you shall surely realize that God's promises to Abraham concerning the land is striking and very important. In other words, he couldn't promise him anything beyond the land. He was giving him Isaac so that Isaac possesses the land. He was giving Isaac Jacob so that Jacob possesses the land. Jacob got the 12 sons so that they may possess the land. The, the 12 sons they, that in Egypt became a nation so that they may possess the land. Why? Because God had a plan. 
the land was a type it was a shadow of the land which will come in the new testament whereby new creation will be will be living today we are living in the land jesus christ as our new creation that's why the bible says in colossians we walk in him we are rooted in him we are built up in him is our land is like earth the soil so we see that it is important for us to see with this such a revelation and the promise made in genesis is just a seed that grows and develops throughout the old testament in every uh, we see that in 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 in, in very real sense we begin to see that apart from the first 11 chapters of genesis when you read from the entire old testament it is all about the story about the land of canaan from genesis 12 throughout to malachi everything that was taking place it was um it was a story that which which involves the land all the battles all the fights all the possession all the buildings it was now in the land and the, uh, and the battle was between the the, la- the land the battle was between the land everything that you saw that's why the devil was taking them out of the land god brings them back they are taken to babylon god brings them back to the land so the the battle was between the land you see the subject of the old testament is the good land there is nothing that is b- bigger than the good land as the subject the land flowing with milk and honey Nevertheless, a few Christians have paid in uh, adequate attention to this. We have a few Christians that have seen what the old the land uh, means uh, when we when concerns to Christ. You see? So, we want to consider even in our teachings, we consider these three things. And I want us from today to begin to consider these three matters of God's of of God's creation of man. The first one is creation of man in his own image. after his likeness and with his dominion another one is the tree of life uh, the river with the precious materials and also the bride the bride built built from adam in genesis 3 adam's rib and the promise of the good land these are the thing things we should begin to focus attention on when you begin to see these things you begin to understand the the, the realities of christ because when the bible says uh, that god is creation in all the creation he created man in his own image after his likeness and he gave him dominion that is also a type that will come to become to be having a meaning then we also see the tree of life and the river with the precious materials that we are moving with the river that is also another important thing for us to know there is also what we call the bride which is built from adam's rib and we also see the promise of the good land that uh, that the bible is talking about this is where our attention should be if you want to see the realities of christ and what christ has become to us hallelujah so god is promised to the to abraham with with respect to the good land is of the great significance so important so important when paul was writing the the epistle uh, to the colossians he was speaking of the portion of the saints he had this in mind that he had the picture of the allotment of the good land of the children of israel in the old testament so he, he, he realized that maybe in the new testament even as we are to possess a certain land but this time the land is supposed to be a spiritual land not a physical one remember in the greek the word rendered portion in in colossians 1:12 is another word allotment allotment in the hebrew A, a, a lot all allotment a, a, a allotment all a lot you see so paul uses this term with the old testament record he had this in mind that the land or the land in the old testament is our portion today as christ in the new testament as the spirit in the new testament god gave his chosen people the children of israel the good land as their portion for their inheritance for their enjoyment when the bible talks about that we have become shellers of the of the inheritance of the portion then it is the same type it's the same it's a figure of the old testament in reality the land means everything to it meant everything to the children of israel the land was so important even today you see that there is also the fight in the middle east even today the problem in the middle east is regarding israel and uh, rather uh, regarding israel is surrounding the nations they have problems the surrounding nations have problems with the land 
and this battle is still continuing because the land was the, the, the best that God could give the children of Israel. So even today, God will never give us anything other than Christ. He cannot give us anything which is not Christ. So I wanted to encourage you today that we should know that he has the preeminence over all things. He is the firstborn among the creation. He is all and in all. He is an, an all-powerful God. He has become our portion, the portion of our inheritance. He maintains our Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 16, you maintain our Lord and the, you are the portion of our inheritance. Grace is to be taken and received as the portion of our inheritance, as the share of our inheritance. Every day I've got to get a share, enjoy that share in Christ. He is all and in all. He is all inclusive. If you want life, it is life. If you want light, it is light. If you want your thirsty, is water. If you are hungry and in famine, it is the bread. He is everything, is the clothes that you are putting on. That's why he say, put on Christ in Romans. He tells us to put on Christ, meaning that he's also our clothes. Hmm? He is everything. He is our movement. He is our land where we walk. That's why he says in Colossians 2.6, if you have received him, then walk in him. Be built up in him. Be, be rooted in him. He is our land. He is our sphere. He is our circumference. Hallelujah. He is the centrality of all things. This is the Christ that we are to enjoy. This is the Christ that we are to take. Of all the things that you are to pursue, pursue Christ. Just like Paul says that I may know him. I want to know this Christ. I want to win him. I want to have the higher life in Christ. Let us enjoy Christ. Let us experience Christ. Let us take him day to day in our lives for the glory of God. The Father is pleased whenever we come to a fuller knowledge of Jesus Christ. It is the Father's pleasure whenever we take his son as our portion. Whenever you speak Christ, you think Christ, you move Christ, you act Christ, you do everything Christ. Everything is supposed to be Christ. He is everything. He is the first and the, the, the last. He is even in the middle. In the middle, we can't say that he's not there. If he's the first and the last, it means that he's in every, he is in every letter of alphabet. In the Hebrew, uh, in the Hebrew alphabet, he's every letter. He's the alpha and the omega, meaning that he can be any other letter. I don't know what, what, what name do you call your problem, but he's the letter. That name has got letters, and Jesus Christ is every letter in your problem. Is every letter in your challenges. Is every letter in your difficulties. If you know that is the alpha, the first letter in Hebrew, and omega, the last letter in Hebrew, meaning that he is also other letters in, in the middle, whereby any sentence that has come your way, he is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning of those letters. He can do something about your situation. You have got to learn to enjoy him and take him and tell him, Father, if you are the Alpha and the Omega, then if I'm, I'm, I'm facing the challenge with the poverty, poverty has got a letter, and that letter is between you as the Alpha and the Omega. Therefore, rise up and do something concerning my poverty. You see, if you are in debt, you can say, Father, I thank you because this debt is vanishing, because the debt is a name of, of, of this experience that I'm going through, and you are the Alpha and the Omega. And there is no name that given unto us other than the name Jesus. At the name mention of the name Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Then that debt will bow down because it is the Alpha and the Omega. Christ begins to become everything for our enjoyment. Wonderful, glorious, powerful. We worship Him. We glorify His name. He's a gracious God. Thank you, Jesus, for this wonderful revelation that you keep on giving us in the book. In the Bible, in your word, may we continue to see this light. Open our eyes that may be quickened in our spirit. Oh Lord, we pray that your light may continue to flood unto us that may see these realities. Father, bless these people that are always following, hearing, and listening, downloading, and following. Bless them, Lord Almighty, as they share these wonderful messages to brothers and sisters, as they like our pages and visit us. Bless them mightily in Jesus' mighty name. I pray for you in the name of Jesus. May you continue to see this light. Please visit our website, share our website. There, there is good content on our website. We are doing day and night. We are working day and night to see that we put every good thing you need. We have devotions. We have uh, episodic teachings. We have videos. We have every most of everything that is good and is pleasant for you to grow in the Lord. We have it. 
even you want to contact me please my numbers are there just contact me and we have a talk and we share and we shall enjoy Christ in Jesus mighty name this is our facebook page freedom experience ministry also listen to our radio freedom experience radio god bless you we love you in Jesus mighty name this is pastor Dennis from Kampala Uganda Freedom Experience Ministry so also if you want to become a blessing to our ministry you, you want to donate to us you want to support our ministry we do village missions we do we want to do church plantings we have visited village churches we encourage them we teach them we need your support you can be of a good uh, a good sponsor who can sponsor us please visit our website and just click the donate button in any form you shall donate god bless you any donation is allowed it's going to be useful to us please god bless you as you think of donating as you think of supporting this wonderful work so that we preach and teach and mentor and prepare the body of christ and also reach the unchurched and also reach those village churches to teach them and prepare them to become a wonderful wonderful ministry of christ god bless you as you donate to us in jesus mighty name thank you to get more of this message and partner with Freedom Experience Ministry, log on to our website www.freedomexperienceministry.org or find us on our Facebook page, Freedom Experience Ministry. You can also call us directly on plus 256-703-89009. Be blessed. Experience the mystery of the word, the redemptive power of revelation, and eternity purpose brought to light in your walk with Christ.